man, what a bunch of jokers. We make a great team. <laughs> That's the spirit. We got through that pretty good. I know. Who would have thought that Gower planes would be so harmless? A few more of those pesky Mekon and- Don't lose focus. You're right. Our goal here isn't to destroy all the Mekon life on Bionis. It's to make every single one of them a subscriber to the Wrestling With Fiction podcast. We can do it. That's right, Jin Connick. Because with enough hard work and determination, we can all achieve anything. <laughs> Except this quest, apparently. I, I, you know, something tells me that this ain't really gonna work out for us if we. Nothing's gonna stop me. Actually, quite a bit here can stop us, especially since you're kind of the size of a little fucking twin. Oi, got some trouble. Yeah, I can see that. Now, if you just let me enlighten you about the little vision I saw. Let's get to it. I'm getting into the rhythm. Are you insane? Okay, I've done some stupid ideas in the past, but. The real fight begins now. Not you too, Dylan. Ah! Okay, there are many legs that I'll go to for an ad, but maybe just not this. Yeah. I'm falling back a bit. It has to be something we can do to change the future. I'll change the future by my own hand. You know what? You're right. Because when has the future ever been a determinant of our lives? We can change the future. We can always change the future with the power of the Wrestling With Fiction Podcast! Alright! Chain attack time! Yeah! I don't have time for small fry. How do you like that? We choose our own path. We did it! I can't believe that we did it! Yeah! <laughs> That's the spirit, mate! Wait a minute. If our goal is to make every living life form love the Wrestling With Fiction podcast, then didn't we just get rid of one? Son of a- Ladies, gentlemen, and ladies, gentlemen, my fictional friends, welcome to this episode of the Wrestling With Fiction podcast, and with the Monado's power, I will be pitching to you wrestling storylines from the good to the bad to the damn right insane. My name is Connor, and oh my god, we're talking about one of our favorite games. <laughs> yes, we made it. Which is so apropos, because this is one week away from the one year anniversary of this podcast. And it's about a random video game character who I never thought at the beginning I would ever have to make a podcast on. So in case you did not read the title, we are talking about Shulk from Xenoblade Chronicles. A franchise that I hold near and dear to my heart. The British voices... The long storyline, the amazing mechanics of this action RPG. We are going to be diving into all of it today as I try and make Shulk a professional wrestler. Oh my god. <laughs> so, for the uninitiated, Shulk is the main protagonist of Xenoblade Chronicles. This kind of shy, introverted character at the beginning of the story. In a world that is inhabited by these two giant titans, the Bionis and the Mekonis. Basically, your big overworld for the entire story of the game. In which, Shulk, through certain circumstances, without giving away spoilers, I'm going to try and keep this as spoiler-free as possible, becomes the heir to the Monado. The, basically, the weapon that is conveniently 
the only weapon capable of destroying the Mechon that are trying to attack and destroy all of these Homs colonies, basically humans. And it's a hell of a time to, to describe my love for this series and just this game alone. We'd need about two hours. First of all, some of the twists in this game, oh, they hit me in the feels. They hit me in the feels so much, which is why I'm definitely going to be covering more of these characters in the future. And, oh my god, there's even more with it. Some of the twists and turns. The soundtrack? The soundtrack? Now, I'm using covers for this, but that... Ah, oh, they're still so good. <laughs> I need more. I want Xenoblade free. So with that, I think we need to get straight into this. So I need to tell everybody... Timestamps are going to be in the description. I should have mentioned it earlier, but I'm going to mention it now. So if you want to skip to any point, they'll be in the description of the episode anyways. Please go to them whenever you want. Maybe you want to see the beginning again. Maybe you want to get to me fanboying over Xenoblade. We'll, we'll get through every single bit of it. And with that, I think it's time that I start to explain to you what I plan to do with Shulk. So... Let's talk about how Shulk could work in the wrestling business, from his weapons, to his mechanics, to stuff involving the franchise, in about four minutes. Let's frickin' go! Okay, so... As a precaution for the remainder of this episode, I'm going to try and keep this as spoiler-free as possible. I'll be mentioning a couple characters in the series, but up to a certain point with a certain Homs village, I'm not going to be going beyond that. Just prefacing this so you'll get some references of some of your key players like your Shulk, your Rhine, your Dunbat, all people at the beginning of the game. People slightly further back, probably not really going to mention because that feels quite important to mention. Now, there's probably going to be some complications. If you guys listened to my episode on Link, you know that I try to avoid using the sword as much as possible because one, you want them to actually be a wrestler to some extent. Now, we do already have some fighting research here with Shulk using the Monado in Super Smash Bros. But that isn't entirely accurate because of things that we're about to get into. Now, with this, there is a loophole that you can undoubtedly allow Shulk to use the Monado in the ring and not have him be DQ'd. So, very early on within the game, you find out the Monado is only able to attack Mechon. When Shulk inadvertently tries to hit it on another individual who is a human, it doesn't work. In fact, they feel no pain at all. It's basically like the flashing light on the weapon just goes right through. So under this understanding, we can infer that it wouldn't really cause a DQ if the Monaro was used on a person. Because when a DQ is brought out, it usually is demonstrated by a person demonstrating a degree of pain. You see it with steel chairs, you see it with basically a bunch of other weapons. If a person throws a sock at someone, they're not going to get DQ'd for it. The same thing basically applies to the Monado, because you won't be damaging anyone with it. Now, with that said, why would this still be useful? So, the Monado has various different Monado arts, like basically a series of them. I will mention a couple because there are some that add to the story, but aren't really essentially spoilers. So, the Monado, if you've experienced Super Smash Bros, or you're just an avid person of the series, you're aware that the Monado gives particular buffs. Stuff like speed, power, armor, shields. That stuff is perfectly legal, because you are not hurting anyone with it. In fact, you're just enhancing yourself and your own capabilities. By this definition of the Monado, it's perfectly legal to use in a wrestling match. And it adds to arguably Shulk's much more smaller and weak frame. He is five foot six, which is kind of a smaller height for a wrestler when you look at the land of the giants that is like a WWE. And also it gives the opportunity for other stuff. Now, in addition to this, Shulk has access to visions, which 
are absolutely legal in this because nobody else can see it. Making Link an incredibly agile person you want to put into the ring. Now, including various other Monado arts in this, we do have access to Light Heal, which is basically the world of Xenoblade Chronicles. It's basically their magic, their basically the use of energy around the world, their ether, so to speak. So Light Heal is perfectly fine to use. Now, on the topic of moves, Shulk technically can't use it as a maneuver just to whack people with the Monado, but there are various moves that you can carry over. Stuff like uppercuts, light kicks that you see in Smash Bros, and potentially the best part of this, we get the return of the Double Axe Handle! I popped when Jericho did it on AEW Dynamite, and I'm popping for it now. So that's a very short summary of what we can expect from Shulk. You're going to get, basically, a person who has the ability to buff himself in the middle of wrestling matches. And not to a stupid degree like how Link is able to freaking chuck things with a gauntlet. But yeah, Shulk is going to be very interesting in the world of wrestling. So... Let's move on to how on earth are we going to write Shulk into this. As we already know, Shulk is a video game character, effectively in an entirely different dimension. So, in order to explain this and to explain the narrative reasons why Shulk would get into the squared circle, I believe that we need to make our way over to the tagline. So, for those of you who are unaware of what the tagline is, the tagline is basically my summary, my thought process of what I plan to do for the wrestler, or in this case, character of the week. Think of it like your summary that you would see on Netflix, or your summary that you'd see on Crunchyroll, because I'm never gonna live it down! Freaking WWE supposedly has a Crunchyroll series. I don't know why, I can't explain it, I can't reason with it, but apparently it's real! So, yeah! Let's get straight into this. So, I need to ask myself specifically, with the powers of the Monado, to cue the music, future me! Right, so, when we actually meet Shulk in this period of the story, particularly at the beginning of the game, the primary enemy is the Mechon, these big robotic creatures that have kind of appeared out of nowhere in raging conflict with human beings of sorts, your Homs. Well, in the world of wrestling, Shulk isn't fighting machines, is he? In fact, he's, he's fighting humans more than likely. So there's kind of a conflict there, especially with Shulk's beginning being this, you know, shy, introverted kid who is more interested in picking up the scraps of machines when you first meet him at the beginning of the game. He's not built for war. In fact, he's a character who's quite shy to it up until a particular point in the story. So, for me, the tagline for Shulk is destined for a quest bigger than he was initially intended. A man gifted the power to vanquish the Mechonis seeks the squared circle to help him cope with the future that he was unable to change. Because Shulk, for a lack of a better term, is thrust into the circumstances that he cannot control. He, for some reason, is one of the only few people who can wield this sword and not get damaged by it. That's a very important detail. Shulk is one of the very few people who doesn't get hurt from wielding the Monado throughout the very beginning of the game. You see some of your early characters like your Dunban, the initial wielder of the Monado at the beginning of the story, struggle to hold it and in fact have their hands severely injured from touching it. That's big. That's a very big thing. And for sure he's the only one who could do it, yet he has the conflict of being this kind of shy introverted kid who's now been thrust upon with this greater destiny that even he's not even aware of. So, this 
is kind of a, a development stage for Shulk to, you know, evolve from being the introverted shy kid to the hero of the story that we all crave him to be. Because if he isn't, well, he might pay for his insolence. And all of his friends that he's kept so close in touch with, his fellow Homs, well, they could be wiped out by these violent machines. And in the world of wrestling, it's just as cutthroat, if not more. So, the story of Shulk in wrestling is fighting against some of his own moral codes for the greater good. Fighting for a better opportunity so that he can save his fellow Homs, even if it means fighting human beings. That is the story of Shulk in a nutshell for the world of professional wrestling. He's not the biggest guy. He's your small guy. He's your lovable, shy underdog with that very simple, I guess you want to say like country feel to, not really country feel, who am I kidding? You know, kind of that nerdy, shy, introverted kid who you want to see break out of his shell. That's what Shulk is. And that's basically the story that we need to find ourselves telling for this week. So, for better or worse, that's kind of the tagline that I would give. I know it's kind of very broad, but hey, if you're a big fan of Xenoblade and you feel like you can give a better one, please tell me on Twitter at Connor the Cooper. Please tell me on Instagram at Wrestling With Fiction. I'm not perfect. I'm not the wielder of the Monado. I can't see visions of the perfect thing, but maybe you can. And with that, I think it's time that we get to our very first pitch of this episode. And let's just say that Shulk is going to find himself in some very interesting situations in which he's going to need to tag with his best friend to take on a real bloodline of enemies. <laughs> Right, so where do we begin in this tale of Shulk in the wrestling business? Well, we begin in the video game itself. We begin in Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, where for those of you who've never played the Definitive Edition, there is a there's a little thing that's added into it where basically you can get teleported with this weird crystal thing to meet one of the Many Nopon in the game. The Nopon are basically your very small, adorable, very little puffball characters who are frequent members of the Xenoblade franchise throughout this game, X, and Xenoblade Chronicles 2. That's basically what this is. And, well, in it, you basically get transported for trials of some sort. Well, this is, this is all going to play into it, I swear. So, in the beginning of this storyline, we begin with Shulk, Rhyne, and... Essentially, on the very beginnings of their journey, basically traveling around the Bionis, a big, gigantic titan, where, of course, at some point they are running from a series of Mechon, yeah, big, black, metallic machines that are trying to essentially kill them for no apparent reason other than they are Homs, they bad, grrr. So at this point, Shulk and Ryan are running and they find one of these crystals that transports you just like it does to a random location of sorts for a challenge. Well, they hop in, and one of the Mechons fires a laser, and, uh, oh no! Shenanigans! It blows up, and it ruins the portal! Basically, creating an entire time loop and time shift, which forces Shulk and Rhine into the center of a WWE ring. Shulk and Rhine inadvertently get teleported into a live taping of SmackDown Live on Friday nights, where who is sitting in the middle cutting a promo about how nobody can face the tribal chief? It's, it's Roman Reigns and the Usos! <laughs> yes, Shulk and Ryan, and for those who don't know who Ryan is, he's basically your token best friend character. He's the close friend to Shulk since basically since they were kids kind of a big tall strong guy who is kind of designed as the tank of the game if you're aware of rpgs he's your big beefy boy who can take a lot of hits that's what ryan is and well michael cole puts over like 
what on earth were these mysterious superstars who have entered through this portal? Is this some sort of new technique added in by WWE's new production team? As far as they know, yes it is. As Shulk and Ryan inadvertently debut on SmackDown Live. We see Shulk and Ryan essentially looking behind and thinking they're in the same universe, begin to warn all of these supposed Homs in their perspective that basically all the people in this arena, you must evacuate now. Mekon are coming after you. Now Roman Reigns, you know, he's the tribal chief. He wants, it's his thing. Roman Reigns grabs the microphone and simply cuts him off and says, hold it. You people are the ones, do you know who you're speaking to right now? And Ryan simply reacts with, yeah, buddy. Uh, here's what you don't understand. The, the Mekon are coming to attack our colony. If you don't, they will. Immediately, Jey Uso, the right-hand man of the bloodline, comes up and says, we've heard enough, Us. You think this is a game? Ain't nothing that can beat us. You want to speak to the chief? You can speak to me. Shulk simply responds that this isn't time for that. And just before he can say anything else, Jimmy Uso super kicks Shulk in the face and hits him to the ground by surprise, leading to Ryan immediately coming to Shulk's aid, kind of being the shield, taking all the brunt of the punishment of the three members of the bloodline. And as this goes on, who comes in to make the save for them? There's, there's nobody else who could shave Shulk and Ryan at this point. They don't know anybody. Well, except it's the people currently feuding with the bloodline. That's Ray and Dominic Mysterio. They come on down like the valiant baby faces that they are. Booyaka Booyaka 6-1 save. They are here. I didn't want to finish with nine, but here we are. They come in, make the save. Everything feels all right for the world. And they are immediately brought to the back where Rey Mysterio tries to comfort the pair. He simply tries to get Shulk and Ryan to calm down about their situation. Now, some of you might be wondering, wouldn't Rey be freaking out about this? That some guy went through a portal? Well, basically, Rey explains it all here. Because, in case some of you had forgotten, Rey Mysterio was in Lucha Underground, a company that involved time-traveling wrestlers, a demigod possessed by a man, and a scummy promoter. Very much the joys of Lucha Underground. So, and just like his entrance in Money in the Bank, he knows how portals work. That's how he was able to go through at Money in the Bank. You remember the pre-show with Dominic and Rey Mysterio going through a portal? If there's anybody who knows the mechanics of portals, it is indeed Rey Mysterio. So he basically gives you your big exposition, your basic explanation that Shulk and Ryan, through circumstances, have been teleported to the WWE inadvertently because of a logic change that was caused by the Mechon attacking the crystal that they were initially teleporting from. Now, at this point, Rey Mysterio explains that, you know, the Mysterios, having their whole family last name means mysteries, can develop a portal to basically get them out of the WWE and back to their home dimension. But to do this, they need to take weeks and weeks off of television, particularly meaning that they have to skip all of their precious tag team bookings in the build-up to a big pay-per-view like Survivor Series. And who has to fill in for them, you may ask? Shulk and Ryan. <laughs> so that is how we basically get Shulk and Ryan as a tag team in the wrestling business. That is our basic introduction to them. Now, Shulk is immediately hesitant to this because, well, he didn't go on this adventure to fight, you know, human beings. He came to fight Mekon. He doesn't want to hurt anybody. Ryan immediately still kind of just pretty much angry at the fact that Roman Reigns and these two random twins thought they could beat him up are basically thinking, I'm going to send them to the scrap metal and all that fun jazz. So Ryan is completely fine with it. Shulk still kind of a pacifist at this point in the story, is kind of 
not really feeling it. <laughs> Wait! I, that was not intentional! That was not intentional! I'm really feeling it! He's not feeling it today! He's not feeling it! Oh my god, what a great coincidence. I can't believe it. I really can't believe it. Now it is indeed rhyme time. Because we get our introductions to Shulk and Ryan as professional wrestlers. And basically, their tag team matches go a little bit like this. Uh, Shulk immediately goes into the ring for, you know, matches against, we're going to say, the Alpha Academy, because they're a cool example. And he he's basically gets some early going, grappling going on, but he doesn't really... You know, do anything to specifically damage them. He has the Monado on his back, but he's not really attempting to strike guys like Chad Gable or Otis. That is Ryan's job. Because in tag team rules, it's basically the Xenoblade thing or the tactic that you do, which is basically have your tank try and take as much hits as possible in a more legal fashion. So in this situation, Ryan is taking the majority of this match. He's the guy who gets beat up beaten up, and some of you might be thinking, oh, but where's the hot tag, Connor? Well, we don't need it here, because Shulk has Monado arts, doesn't he? And they're perfectly legal, because he's not damaging an opponent. So, we have stuff like Monado Enchant to build up Ryan's strength. A particular spot that I'd like to imagine is that he's struggling to do a suplex on Otis, Monado Enchant, he gets it perfectly. In addition to that, Monado Shield, your big splash from Otis, nope! <laughs> and of course, Monado Speed. I'm gonna say Monado Speed, just for going from the Smash Bros stuff, and because I'm kind of forgetting stuff. So yes, in this type of scenario, Shulk is the perfect side character. He is basically your bard for your tag team matches, aiding Ryan in these actions to try and get him to essentially win the matches by himself. It's basically a two-on-one handicap match with your, you know, manager at the side, except Shulk can be tagged in at any moment if Ryan needs a break, but with the Monado Arts, that may not really be a thing. So he has matches against, you know, the Dirty Dogs. <laughs> the Dirty Dogs. Alpha Academy. Uh, well, there's not really many tag teams, is there? Get some more tag teams, SmackDown. And through it, they managed to rack up wins week to week. Essentially making them, well, viable candidates like the Mysterios for a tag team title opportunity down the line. Who really knows? So, this all progresses. And, well, the situation builds to eventually... The Usos confronting Shulk and Ryan and the Mysterios as they're trying to build this interdimensional portal to, you know, the world of the Bionis. So at this point, the Usos attack Shulk from behind because they believe in their heart of hearts that Shulk is the weakest link. Kind of like a Brandon Cutler to the young box of Ryan. And it just happens they get beaten up, they start targeting Shulk first, Ryan immediately comes in and gets overwhelmed, and then of course the Usos do what they do best, they wreck stuff, so they wreck Rey Mysterio, they take out Dominic, and they basically damage the portal that they are developing from week to week, we get, you know, the gradual progression until this point where it's kind of shattered, and so their thing has been delayed, Shulk foresees a vision of you know, Ryan struggling and him not being able to do anything. And it builds a resolve in him that he must do this on his own. He must fight to help his friends and to help him go back to the Bionis and save his people. So for the first time, we get Shulk versus Jay Uso. And it is very much the battle of speed. It is Shulk using his speed art Monado to essentially avoid the attacks of Jey Uso of the super kicks, the splash, all of your fun jazz going for uppercuts. Of course, the infamous double axe handle! And, well, Shulk throughout all of this, he always 
misses for some reason. Not not even to the point of like parody, just like those occasional things where it's like, oh, he's going to hit this. No, he doesn't because, well, he says he's going to do it, but still doesn't quite click in his head, does it? That he's going to do it. He sees the visions of basically Jey Uso going for super kicks and he avoids it, but he's never quite able to hit an attack on any of the Usos. Which is building, of course, to the big pay-per-view match. And of course, because of this, while Shulk can see visions, it doesn't mean that he's going to dodge all of them. And Shulk eventually gets hit for a super kick by Jey Uso. One, two, three. Shulk does lose to Jey Uso in a singles match in the build-up to Survivor Series. So, we have reached Survivor Series. The friends, the best friends who are basically almost like brothers to each other versus the real-life brothers, brothers of a bloodline leading up to Survivor Series. If Shulk and Ryan win, maybe they would have just enough time so that they could get through a portal to leave for the Bionis so, because they've distracted them for just long enough for the Mysterios can create a portal to teleport Shulk and Ryan out of this dimension. So, how does this match go? Because, uh, yeah, Shulk and Ryan, not really a super experienced team, but that hasn't stopped other people from winning. But the Usos are kind of in this bloodline story, their big main event feud. So, let me tell you how this match goes. So, like all the other previous matches that we've talked about, Shulk doesn't really wrestle from the majority of the match. He is very much your bard of the situation, buffing Ryan as much as he can. Until, well, the Usos realize if they take out Shulk, they can take out Ryan. So immediately in the beginning of the match, they target Shulk and throw him through an announce table. It's at this point, Ryan begins to feel several bits of exhaustion. He doesn't have all the buffs that he had in all the other tag matches because nobody else thought of just attacking Shulk at the beginning of the match. So the Usos work on Ryan. They target everything in his main pieces of orphans, like his talent art stuff, like his lariat, his uppercut, all basic stuff that Ryan can do. And at this point, you know, we see Shulk slowly but surely find life, get himself out of the hellhole of the Spanish announce table, because we all know it is the flipping Spanish announce table. It's never the other one. He gets there. He gets to the corner. He lays his hand out as Ryan is struggling. And for the first time, we see Shulk hit a double axe handle onto the Usos. We see him hit it on Jey Uso. We see it hit on Jimmy Uso. We see all the visions go perfectly. He avoids a super kick, hits an uppercut. He tags in Ryan. We get a tag team maneuver of the double axe handle into a lariat. And we get a one, a two, and a three. It is one of those matches where Shulk finally overcomes his fear of fighting human beings for the sake of his people. He finally gets the opportunity to face all these things and eventually, inadvertently, train him to face all the mech on the go in the future because, as came to see, not all of them are like the ones that we see throughout the game. And through this, they are now the SmackDown Tag Team Champions because at the time, the Usos were the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. They work together. Ryan and Shulk hold them up together. The best friends that they are overcoming a adversity and also mental blocks within Shulk's mind in which they go to the back. They go to the Mysterios who open the portal in which they step in with the tag team titles and leave. Because WWE should redesign those flipping tag team titles, okay? They are not good. They look like 5p coins. They should at least look 
better than that. They're your tag team championships. Don't make them this weird M Tesco's branded belt with a freaking 5p coin on it. Make them look like belts. With that rant out of the way. <laughs> yeah, that is the ending of that story. Shulk. I feel like gets a lot of very fun little things in there, little character tropes to make his matches seem interesting compared to a lot of other wrestlers. It's kind of a take on the tag team match that hasn't really been done before. It's not really cheating for Shulk to use the Monado in a way that mostly buffs his friend, Ryan, and it gives the Mysterios a bit more lore for the reason why they can go through portals now. And it gives the Usos something to do and potentially mess up so you can get angry Roman Reigns at them. Like the, you know, angry tribal chief that he is. That he's just, acknowledge me. Acknowledge me. Acknowledge me. And all that fun jazz. So, yeah, I think it puts over Shulk as this kind of introverted character getting into the role of the hero, realizing that his destiny is far greater than what it is, him overcoming his own mental blocks. And it, it has the nice wholesome friendship between Shulk and Ryan, my favorite character, Ryan. So I, I'm happy with this. I'm content. But we still got more storylines to go, particularly this next one, which I should tell you that Shulk is actually going to face a machine. <laughs> So to save me some time, yeah, uh, we're, we're gonna make sure that we don't get the whole, like, bollocks of another world part, because if we do, and I have to keep writing that again and again and again, it's Law of Diminishing Returns. So, for the beginning of this, Shulk sees a vision. He sees a vision of all elite wrestling, you know, because they've just gone on tour, because it's Wednesday night, and you know what that means! It's... Uh, it's a big robotic thing appearing at AEW. And it's it's gonna try and beat up all these other people in this. For some reason, a shadowy figure controlling this robot. But who could it be? Who could this thing be? And who is controlling it? Well, that is what Shulk will attempt to find out as he infiltrates AEW. He starts out very simple. He makes his debut at AEW Dynamite, or not Dynamite, Dark, my mistake there, as he takes on, insert, local enhancement competitor, but because I still want him to get signed, it's my boy Fuego Del Sol! So yes, Shulk versus Fuego. Shulk, very much with the help of the Monado, Speed, Shield, he avoids the infamous and deadly Tornado DDT, Hitting a double axe handle for the win. Shulk is successful and we get a very quick promo from Shulk saying that he is the wielder of the Monado. He has seen a vision saying that some big mechanical being will be at AEW in an unforeseen amount of time. And whoever is going to bring it about is in this roster. Shulk makes a declaration that he will find out whoever it is through appearing on AEW Weekly until further notice. So we have ourselves the beginning premise. Shulk, now a temporary AEW signed talent, is looking to figure out who could be controlling a potentially highly dangerous Mechon-style weapon. So, we get more matches with Shulk where, you know, he gets an early match against a debuting Hook. Yes, Team Taz's Hook because I don't care. He brawled with Sting for four flipping minutes. Four minutes at Revolution. He is going to get a match eventually. So he has his match against a member of Team Taz. It's very much a back and forth thing. We get the really cool throws from Hook. And just as it looks like Shulk is about to win, shenanigans! It's Team Taz. It's the FTW champion, Ricky Starks, as he comes in 
and he aids his friend Hook. We get a DQ finish. I know people don't want DQ finishes, but it's fine because Brian Cage comes in. He's coming in because he's the machine. Bruh, Brian Cage, he's big, he's beefy. He, he's definitely, he, yeah, he's there. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Brian Cage, but he's good for the story. Bruh. He's there. He gives us a great, like, discus lariat to get out Ricky Sucks. Because, of course, he's feuding with him at the time. Now, because Brian Cage doesn't need to talk, he gives a handshake to Shulk. And he says, in very short, simple terms, because we don't want a long Brian Cage promo, that he will gladly help out in Shulk's investigation. He is a machine, after all. So, in the coming weeks, we have Brian Cage chasing for the FTW Championship against Ricky Starks. We have Shulk taking on a wide variety of challenges in order to get further information that he can about who this mysterious assailant could be. So, he faces people from Japan, guys like Rocky Romero, who you know, appeared from time to time. And don't say he didn't. He was on elevation. He has his match with them. We start, you know, seeing Shulk build a little more confidence in this type of situation, you know. You know, with the power of shield and the power of, like, speed of the Bernardo. He's starting to pick up, you know, a set of offense. Like, a little bit more, like, kicks and strikes and all that fun stuff. Helping him eventually get a lucky win on Rocky Romero. Picking up the win. He asks Rocky about information. Rocky says he doesn't really know. And I doubt anyone in New Japan through the Forbidden Door would know as much as he would believe that they would. So at this point, Shulk gets a repeat of the exact same vision. Except it's a little bit more clearer this time. We see, you know, the arena, a, a much more brightly colored arena than what we're used to. Like, like a pay-per-view of some sort. Like... Oh, what is the pay-per-view that's coming up that isn't all out? Oh, that's right, Full Gear! <laughs> so, we now have information. It's gonna be at some point during Full Gear. Shulk has a time limit that he needs to figure this out. So, from this point week to week, we get Shulk essentially sitting in the crowd for certain shows. He's there, just watching these particular wrestlers, trying to figure out who could be the mystery assailant who has this mysterious device that can bring on potential Mekon to AEW. So, he starts initially, he's seeing, he's seeing in the front row, he's seeing the best bout machine, Kenny Omega, making his entrance with the I hear the battle cry under the devil's sky. And of course, like in his theme song, it says he is the best bout machine. Kenny Omega immediately clocks Shulk in the stands and he says, Well, hey buddy, I know you're looking for some mystery assailant, but you can't beat the best bout machine. In real life and in your little video game. And of course Shulk rushes to the ring and he immediately gets up in Kenny Omega's face. And of course at this point, Brian Cage comes out to back him up because remember Shulk is a very small boy and I know in AEW you've got your lightweights but Shulk isn't built like a John Silver he needs a guy in there to back him up and if Ryan isn't there then well it may as well be somebody else so at this point we get the build-up for a very special exhibition match it's not for the title but it could be for answers Kenny Omega agrees that if he if Shulk can last over 15 minutes with the best bout machine, he can get any information that Shulk knows about this supposed Mekon assault that could be happening for all he knows at full gear. Because remember, Kenny Omega is an EVP. The match is very much one-sided for the most part. Kenny Omega hitting a V-trigger early on onto Shulk, being unprepared to use the Monado. Because remember, like in the video game of Xenoblade Chronicles, he is... He's... He's not... How do I describe this? So for people who haven't played Xenoblade Chronicles, Shulk is kind of a... He's not tanky. 
but he isn't frail. He's in that weird, like, lower to midpoint. So him getting hit by a V-Trigger is like him getting hit with half damage. He's not going to get KO'd straight away, but it's like half damage. And Kenny Omega hits him very early on, assuming, oh, that's over for him. Look at him. Look at that small fry. He's not built for this. You know, I'm I'm slowly becoming slightly deranged. He should be like in the dub dub ease. And, you know, he keeps going for a lot of big moves. You know, just not even daring to use the one wing danger because he doesn't believe that Shulk is good enough for it. Now, Shulk is of course seeing visions of these moves on repeat, but not quite being fast enough to dodge the moves. Brian Cage is of course there, you know, tapping down, believing that Shulk can do this. And as this is happening, Shulk, of course, using Light Heal to heal himself a little bit so he doesn't, you know, pass out against Kenny Omega, gets to the final few minutes of the match. Because remember, it's 15 minutes, and if Shulk wins, he gets all the information he wants. Kenny Omega stops playing games. He is setting up for one final V-Trigger, and in the moment, we get a clash between the V-Trigger and say it with me now, the Double Axe Handle! That negates it for a bit, startling Kenny Omega, and out of surprise, we get another Double Axe Handle! To the head! One, two, two and a half! So close, Shulk! So close! And as the clock is ticking, the time is going out, Everything feels like it's gonna be Shulk. He's gonna find out who it is at full gear because Kenny Omega is an EVP. He has all the security camera control. He built a really shoddy wire trap figure revolution. He is gonna find out as the time is ticking. Five, four, three, two. Brian Cage comes in and clocks Shulk. Disqualification. That's right. Brian Cage turns heel on Shulk because Shulk was getting just a little bit too much information. Kenny Omega smiles, holding up the AEW world title, basically saying, Oh, I wasn't going to lose. I wasn't going to lose at all. I'm, I'm the best. I have every belt in the universe. How could I lose to a five, si five foot six shrimp? What? What? No. 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 Brian Cage starts assaulting Shulk for unbeknownst reasons. And at this point, he throws Shulk into the steel steps. And he grabs something from underneath the ring that, for some reason, nobody was really checking at this point. And for those who are familiar with the series, it looks like a, a black sort of cannon. Something very similar to Mechon technology. Because if you're gonna have a character named the machine, you may as well, may as well give him a machine. So yes, it's Brian Cage all along. He, through his years of training and mind focus, whatever that meant, has discovered that like in his insane body transformation, look it up in real life, he is a legitimate machine. That to advance his further body transformation, he needed to take stuff that was more advanced than him. More advanced than what human society can comprehend and instead take it from a society unbeknownst to the majority of wrestling fans. The Mechon, the, the insane and magical powers and stiff toughness of Mechon armor, particularly faced Mechon armor. He holds it up. If you guys remember when Brian Cage had that almost Thanos-like gauntlet in Lucha Underground, that's basically what he's got. It's like a big weapon. And at this point, he starts holding his fist up. We start to see these, like, tethers come out of this Mechon-style hand as a, almost like a man controlling a puppet brings out this, you know, very early on, like, mech-on weapon that, you know, logic-wise, most wrestling fans would have likely never seen. So it's like a big, scary robot thing. Holy S-word. 
and he threatens Shulk that if he can't beat him at full gear, he's gonna destroy everybody who are alive at attendance at the full gear pay-per-view. And at this point, we have the build to a match at full gear. It's Shulk versus Brian Cage, the machine, in what can only be described as a Falls Count Anywhere match, but because AEW likes to have some, you know, random names to their Falls Count Anywhere matches, it is the Mechon Mayhem match. Brian Cage makes his entrance decked out in a much better looking piece of gear that makes him look like the Terminator, Brian Cage, okay? Wear a better piece of metallic armor that doesn't make you look like a cheap cosplayer. Wear, like, full armor. Don't just wear half of it and say that you're like Cyborg from Teen Titans. Wear something better. He does that. He comes out in this very cool, like, black and gold design. Very apropos for the AEW brand. And Shulk not wasting any time. His entrance music playing. Imagine that it's... Uh, insert your favorite Xenoblade track. I'm gonna say a particular track that I can't- Oh no, I can't name it. So we're gonna say Engage the Eminent. Engage the Enemy. If you know that song, look it up on Google. It has the dun dun dun. Here comes Shulk with the Monado. Oh yeah, he's so cool. He comes out with his, you know, classic, like, red jacket attire with the Monado in hand. He holds it up. We see for the first time the Monado Buster. And he immediately slams it down to try and take out a piece of the Mechon armor on Brian Cage. It does a tiny bit of a dent, but not enough to take it off. And the match begins. The story of the match very much being Shulk trying to take off the mechanical armor of the machine must also try and avoid all the big heavy offense that Brian Cage does. Because for all the sass that I've gave him so far for this episode, he is a fantastic wrestler. His size and speed are close to unmatched. And, you know, he gets a couple of really good shots in. You'll notice throughout it that Shulk can't really take many big hits from Brian Cage. He's trying to avoid as much as possible. He's only really taking them because of Monado's shield. Now... At this point, there comes a point where Brian Cage, not really knowing much about the Monado, and Shulk kind of struggling to keep up, tries to hold the Monado away, and he's immediately shocked. He's immediately, like, shocked and paralyzed for a bit, allowing Shulk to take advantage and take off pieces of the Mechon armor. It's at this point that we get Brian Cage using the awesome cannon gauntlet thing that I was talking about, bringing in this Mechon in which Shulk must slay. And it's at this point that we get the aids of Rhine and, you know, Dunban, big party members in the Xenoblade story, and the close friends of Shulk at the beginning, aiding him in his conflict. Because whilst they can't hurt the Mechon, traditionally with the use of Monado, through topple mechanics, they are able to do some damage to it, allowing Shulk to, you know, get his full attention onto Brian Cage, having his friends take out the Mechon and saving the people. So we get to the finish of the match. Brian Cage gets his gauntlet out, puts it on, and he immediately goes for a, you know, we're going to say the power of the punch. Going for that, which is clashed with the Monado Buster of Shulk, which is basically, which I should have explained earlier, a big freaking light laser thing that comes out of the sword. And you get your cool freaking beam clash. Because you know what? It's wrestling and it's complete bollocks. I want a goddamn beam clash. So you get that. They're going back and forth. Who's going to get it back? And of course, Shulk hits it. Hitting him perfectly. He goes for the cover. One, two, three. And Shulk wins the Mechon Mayhem match. Being held up by by Ryan and Dunban, who have only just recently found Shulk in this whole situation after he ran off on his own because of this vision. And Shulk successfully saves the people at full gear 
so that we can get to the main event where Hangman Page will win the AEW World Title, because Hangman Page should always win the AEW World Title. And that's that story. <laughs> oh, what what a what a dramatic turn. <laughs> what a dramatic turn for for Shulk going through all of that. Oh my god. Oh. Oh wow. That that turned out to be a lot more details than I had previously expected. I'm I'm happy with it. I'm happy with how odd it went. And the complete bollocks that allowed me to use the part that, like, the Monado can hit the Mechon part, so, like, Brian Cage will feel damage. I like that. That's fun. Uh, the fact that it's just Shulk wrestling is cool, so we've had a singles run and a tag run. But I realized something in this. Uh, yeah. Shulk is an incredibly versatile wrestler. One, built off through the powers of the Monado. Built off through... The powers of friendship, as cheesy as that sounds if you watch a show of anime, the power of friendship. And ultimately, his story is one of many chronicles. He is a man, a myth, and a legend in my heart, and hopefully many of yours. And to me, Shulk would be a fantastic fit for the wrestling business. <laughs> And with that, we have reached the end of this episode. Now, originally there was going to be a third storyline here, but I felt like if I was going to push this storyline, there would be one big issue with it, and it would be that I would have to go into major spoilers of the Xenoblade Chronicles franchise and the game itself. So, I'm not going to be going into it for this, but if people really want it, please tweet me at Connor the Cooper or tell me on Instagram at Wrestling With Fiction and I will gladly do a part two for Shulk with spoilers included because uh, admittedly the hardest part about this booking was trying to keep it without giving away too many spoilers for the game. Like I tried to hold back about a couple major party members in the story. So if you're a person who's kind of no idea what Xenoblade Chronicles is, hopefully this was a random thing that connects it to the world of wrestling that might make you interested in the game. Like I said, Xenoblade Chronicles is one of my favorite franchises. So for me, this was a real treat to make. And undoubtedly, I'm going to be covering all of the major party members at some point in the future. So if I do a part two for Shulk, I will likely include a very, a very big point in the story that happens, maybe something near the end of the game, which is why the third story isn't happening. But yeah, there's there's another idea for you. If you liked this episode, like I have thoroughly enjoyed it myself, if you couldn't tell, please feel free to subscribe to the Wrestling With Fiction podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Consider leaving a review if you're on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or any other podcasting outlet that provides reviews. And, you know, if you like what I do, share it with your friends. Share it with your friendly friends. I I would love to hear your thoughts on this stuff. Like, generally, I love making these random stuff like this. Because it allows me to, you know, test out some stuff that, you know, I don't think any other fantasy booking podcasts do. Like... Or fantasy bookers do. You know, it's all like super serious about, oh, who's going to get this big push? Or, oh, what's this big storyline? No, I want to make complete bollocks sometimes. <laughs> and that's that's just what's really fun. And it's what's got me through to one year. We are on the road. Next week is the one year episode of the Wrestling With Fiction podcast. And, uh... The episode that's going to mark the one year anniversary, it's going to be an episode that, I may as well tease it now, it's going to be an episode that is going to be a fantasy booking thing that everybody has fantasy booked at least once in their life once you've, you know, got into the world of fantasy booking. And it's going to be a big one. It's going to be a main event star in professional wrestling. A guy who will forever be known as a main event star. 
And truly, it's going to be something that I think once you hear the story for it, because I've already started writing it, it is going to, you know, deviate from everyone's traditional path of where they think this could go. I'm really excited for it. So that is basically the teaser for it. I'm probably even going to reveal it tomorrow or the day after when this episode goes out. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So for the time being, I just want to say thank you all so much for listening. I hope all of you have a lovely day. And remember, everyone, wrestling could always use just a little bit more fiction. See you all. Good night, everybody.